Love, hate, respect, gratitude. In the beginning was the word. Feelings matter. Words matter. Hello, and welcome to the Book Club Juxtapositions podcast, a book club where we discuss two pieces of literature and juxtapose them based on theme, plot, author style, societal norms, and basically just how the book grabs you. All of the interesting things that make for a great spoiler-filled book club discussion. Did you say spoiler-filled? Yes, I said spoiler-filled. In each episode, we will mainly focus on one of the literary pieces. With all good literature, one can't help but make comparisons and connections to other literary works and in life. In the second episode, we will examine the same ideas with the counterpiece of literature. This is just a fun way to compare and contrast two pieces of literature and have a lively discussion. This is an adult podcast intended for adult listeners, and we may use adult language. Adult language? What the hell? In this month's episodes, we will examine the theme of the power of the nature through the literary lens of Masuro Emoto's The Hidden Messages in Water versus Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I'm Tracy May, author, multi-award winning screenwriter, and former educator. I'm Kimberly Andy, creator of the blog Lily Pads of Curiosity, travel writer, and former educator. The Hidden Messages in Water provides a scientific framework for how words, feelings, and intentions can influence water crystals, and therefore, it stands to reason, because we were made up of over 60% water, humans' physical and mental health. The power of nature is inextricably tied to our very survival. Water is one of nature's most powerful forces. To deny our molecular connection to water is to deny our connection to ourselves and our planet. Okay, quick caveat about the hidden messages in water. We know that there's some controversy about the scientific validity of the theories in the book. Our jobs as we see it is to merely explore the philosophical and literary ideas thematically, not to judge any kind of accuracy either way. And we're not saying we're scientists. We're just looking at it through these thematic lenses. And we also want to talk about our sound quality today because we're still on social distancing. We're doing this over uh, FaceTime still, and... We just wanted to check in with everybody as well and see how everybody's doing, make sure everybody's okay. How are you doing, Tracy? I'm, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. <laughs> it's good to see you on FaceTime again. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to see your smiley face. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite books, and one of my favorite ideas in the book was how existence emits a frequency. Like, any teacher can attest to that, like, how one student can change the frequency or the energy in a classroom, either in a negative or a positive way. Think about art. I believe that art and artists connect with us on frequencies. So why does one artist, musician, or writer speak to us and others don't? And I think it's, it's to me, this idea of this frequency is the idea of, like, speaking to your souls. That there's some things that you just can't put down in words or prove, but you just feel it. And I think that in a lot of sense, I think that symbolically, that's that frequency that they're carrying. So like for me, my frequency, like when I watch a Wes Anderson movie, the colors that he uses, the palette that he uses, you know, the, the quirkiness of it absolutely speaks to my frequency. It's like somebody's in my head watching the movie that's going on in my brain. And that's a Wes Anderson movie for me. Or Frida Kahlo, who I've, you know, 
just completely, utterly connect with, I think that she's putting out that frequency and speaking. So I think in a lot of ways that art really captures that idea, that kind of almost unspeakable idea of that frequency. If, if you can put out positive frequencies, is it possible then, what do you think about negative frequencies? I, I think that negative frequencies can also do the same thing. Let's look back um, real quick and just talk about the hidden messages of water and just kind of remind everybody what this is about. If you, maybe you saw it in the movie, What the Bleep Do You Know? Maybe you've picked up the book and you've read it yourself and you've seen that it has a lot of pictures in it and it has... This is a book that the author, Mizuro Emoto, he actually teased and called it a picture book because of all the pictures that are in it. So it didn't catch the seriousness from the publishers at first like he'd wanted. He had 26 books at the time that he wrote this book. He'd already written 26 other books. So you think that it would have been picked up pretty quickly just on his name alone. And his books have been translated into 17 different languages. So wow. being from Japan and having that kind of an influence, you would have thought that that would have given him just the power to be able to publish this right away, but it wasn't. It was something that he really had to go to bat for. But he got this idea because he started thinking about the serious problems in modern society like war and terrorism, environmental problems, disease, infection, you know, educational problems, and economy, food problems, things like that. So he started thinking about where, where were these problems coming from and everything reverts back to energy and the energy is a vibration. And so from that, he started to think about what causes a vibration in, in any object and that is water. And so then he thought, well, he says, you know, our bodies are made up of 90% water, so that's where that vibration is coming through. So what causes the differences in these vibrations and why in some parts of the world is, is there a reaction to things differently? And he says, because of the vibration. So what causes vibrations in, in these things? Well, music or sound, different, anything that you can think of, literally, that causes a vibration, noise, rumbling, things like that. So he thought if he could photograph the water, he could see what those vibrations were doing to see how they were having an effect on your frequencies, how you're, how you're relating to things. Because if your body's 90% water, you're going to be reacting to things in a different way, so good or bad. So being from Japan, he took the Tokyo tap water and he started to just first, you know, try to emanate gratitude to it. And he found that by doing that, they could project this information onto the water and then they could freeze it. And so they froze it at 25 degrees, negative, minus 25 degrees Celsius. And they had these in little droplets, so 5 cc droplets on these petri dishes. Then they would take them out and they would put them under a microscope and see what the water crystal did as it started to thaw out briefly, even though they were still in a room that was negative 5 degrees Celsius. Um, frozen, but thawing out from 25 degrees to the 5 degrees, these crystals would start to appear. And they did like 50 different samples of each drop in each different controlled substance, you know, situation. And they started to see these beautiful crystals appear and that told the story of what was being with vibration they were given. So then they sent out researchers around to go get water from different places or to expose them to different things and you can imagine how it all started to no pun intended 
snowball from that, from that, from that. So they went and found, you know, what Mozart did to it, you know, what makes you feel good. Mozart. Art. Things like that. So how did that change the vibration and what it was doing? The parts that confused me are he put um, words on the bottles and the way that the word was on the bottle, kind of like the rice experiment that we talked about in Frankenstein that I explained. The word itself, to me that's so confusing because the word that he wrote on the bottle obviously was written in Japanese. How does the water know what that word was or what those markings were on that piece of paper? How, you know, it could have been in any language. If water picks up that vibration and it knows that, why do There's got to be the intention behind it. You know, I'm kind of, uh, we can talk about later, but I'd, like, for example, let's say you put something really horrific in wording, but when you were intention, you know, you could, you know, kill her or die, but you were like, oh, like, it's puppies in love. Right. Well, that on that, would, they, would it react to the word or would it react to the intention? Right, yeah, so that's what I, that's what confuses me. So some parts of it confuse me, but maybe if I had been so lucky to be able to talk to, talk to him before he passed away when he was working on this project, that would have been um, one of the thousand questions that I would have had for him. But I do believe that, you know, the vibration and it does have something to do with energy and energy does have a big effect on us as human beings and because we're mostly water. So going back to what you were talking about with art and how Wes Anderson movies have an effect on you because of the colors or Frida Kahlo, I want to ask you, did you, did you love her art? and then study about her history, or did that happen before? Did you study her history and then become more hooked on her? You know, it's a good question. I, I would imagine that I saw her art before I saw her, and I think I was attracted and pulled in by the art, and then as I was beginning to research and uncover layers of her life and what a fascinating, amazing woman that she was, then, it, then the art, all the symbolism in the art, and knowing the history and stuff behind the different pieces of art only, you know, deepens those layers, deepens those frequencies. So think of yourself as the water bottle, okay? <laughs> your, your vessel, your body is the water bottle. And the vibration, the intention that you perceived from the art even before you knew her was one thing that drew you in. And then the intention that you received from that art, because you, you studied about her and you knew about her as a person, that intention also changed the vibration in your energy level. And so at that point, I, I understood the word that was on my bottle. Correct. When I was just replying, responding to the intention to begin with. Right, and you didn't that have to... That makes any sense whatsoever. But, <laughs> does that... <laughs> I, I think that, you know, what I'm thinking about our physical bodies being like, quote, the water bottle, yay, my air quotes, then you then you can, you can kind of understand how that experiment worked a little bit better. So it is intention, not necessarily the exact word, but that word is perceived as intention subconsciously, so it does make okay, a Okay, so going back to that then, how does one combat negative frequency? So it's got the, you know, with its opposite force, positivity. So if we're looking that in comparison to the book or the theory of the book Frankenstein, is the you know positive good and the negative evil? Is it an epic battle of good versus evil? I think so. I think you know when we apply that to that theory, it was the difference of positive reinforcement, positive attention, and negative attention, and no attention, yeah, zero that was, intention. I, I mentioned that before, but that was the most surprising to me is that 
the ignored one was the one that did the worst. That did the worst, yeah. So then, but so then, doesn't that kind of oddly take out all of the theories of that the water and the vibration are what's impactful? Because if the water and the vibration are what's impactful, then wouldn't leaving it alone just leave it alone? Keep it stale instead of making it decline so much faster? So, like the rice that didn't get any attention, positive or negative, is the one that went to, you know, molded and, and got slimy and gross first. That takes away from me then the whole idea that, that the water had an impact, that the vibration in that water made a big difference. I mean, I guess it could, in a positive route, it took, you know, the, the positive brought positive. Negative brought negative, but nothing brought way worse. Right. So... Kind of showing how we're all connected. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I think that, you know, it does show that from the positive side that it does have a big impact. But, you know, so it is something that vibration is important on the positive side. Um, if you leave it alone, and that does far worse than having negative, I don't know. Well, it, it's, yeah, so like Jekyll had a high, Dr. Frankenstein had a, had a monster. And so, therefore, you know, they're kind of combating each other. So it's that nature's duality, like the destruction and the creation. Like good, good versus evil? Good versus evil. So perhaps when those three examples then you have the good you have the evil but interesting enough the ignored is the greater evil i don't know like almost like just destruction and creation need each other do we need to see destruction before we understand creation and vice versa you know sadly i'm thinking and i say sadly because i hate to take it back to teaching but one of the things that used to bother me the most when we were um, when we taught was the lack of accountability that society was holding for kids. So we couldn't hold a kid back no matter how little they did because it would embarrass them or, you know, it was too tough for them to recover from. But to me, that's the same category of doing nothing, ignoring ignoring that bottle. And the positive when they did well was important and the negative, you know, showing what they needed to work on. It gave them something to, you know work towards and be competitive for, but it was that ignoring any... Ignoring the problem. Just yeah. Yeah, you couldn't say anything negative to them, and they hadn't earned the positive, so they got nothing. And that, to me, was more frustrating, and maybe it was my picking up on the vibration of how frustrating that was, or maybe it was my picking up on their crumbling inside. You know, you hear people say kids need um, direction and they need discipline. So I think that it's kind of, you know showing leaving it alone is always worse denial denial my best friend (laughs) (laughs) i've never found going denying things would ever steer me wrong (laughs) so on the flip side of that like a more positive spin on it is like looking at the idea of healing water so Masuro Emoto references Lords in France where the Blessed Mother appeared in 1858 and to this day water surrounding the grotto is considered miraculous. So that idea of, you know, that water can also have a healing quality. Well, of course. You just ask my kids and they're going to tell you if they have a headache, drink water. If you're hungry, drink water. If you're in, a, grump- if you're in a grumpy mood, drink water. Why? Because mama told them so. <laughs> <laughs> well, scientifically, like purely scientifically then, you know, it's about hydration. So, I mean, that makes total sense from both angles. Right, right. So I think, yeah. Um, you know, and he talked about that in his studies and what he 
what he researched when he was doing these crystals was the impact of how water um, could be so incredibly healing. So it made me wonder, like, okay, if I had a water bottle and I put on it love and gratitude and I had just notes written on every single one of my water bottles um, and had that message on there that would that water be different than just regular distilled tap water, you know, out of the bottle. And that, oh, one thing that they said that they did before they took the pictures um, and or took the droplets, the samples that they brought from wherever they got those samples from, and then they'd bring them back to the lab and they were putting the droplets on the, the Petri dishes. They would tap the bottom of the water bottle or the, that they had to activate the water. Whatever that meant. I guess wake it up. Wake up! <laughs> so if I took my water bottle that had my loving message on it and I tapped the bottom of it and then I drank that, would that be more healing than just any other water? I don't know. I'm going to try it. I'll tell you. Um, so speaking your intention. So speaking the your intentions before you drank it. Maybe yeah. it's just putting you also in a good headspace. Like it's all it's hard to argue with displays of gratitude and love. Practicing those displays can change your outlook on life. So maybe it's just kind of all connected to your health because you're taking a more positive. Does that take us kind of back? I hope to... so. Anyway, I mean, again, it kind of goes back to that. I'm a tad more cynical, but <laughs> um, that practicing those intentions would have power. I think so. Does that take us back to um, Malcolm Gladwell's commitment? With a practice theory? Right. So can you practice love and happiness until it becomes, you become a master of it? I think that that's, it has to become a habit. You have to practice it to make it a habit so that it changes your whole, your whole water bottle. I, I'm just going to keep using that as an example. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of, you know, obviously we're going through the coronavirus uh, quarantine right now, but I've seen a lot of that online. Like, what are you grateful for today? You know, like kind of reminding people just to to practice that become an outlier in love and happiness kind of thing. Exactly. Thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> Does our age change our reactions to things? For example, ACDC on the water causes a different crystal, and is that crystal different as we get older? Does that make sense? So. Like, to me, when I hear ACDC, I think of good things, so that intention that comes through is different. I think of, you know, my friends in like, high yeah, school. Like, versus, like, you hated, let's say you hated them. Right, you know, so, like, my yeah. friends in high school, we always had a great time listening to ACDC or, you know, the Scorpions or Ozzy Osbourne and, and you know, my friend Darren's probably, you know, doing a high five right now cheering because <laughs> we used to listen to those things and they'd make me happy, so the intentions would make me happy, but... I know other people might have heard those, you know, at an older age and maybe to me like rap music right now and be like, no, no, that just irritates me. So I wonder if age has a difference in those reactions. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in the bottom line, though, it's probably just going to go back to whatever you're putting out there. It's, I think it may be reacting. And what we put out there and what we react to is going to be different if you're 20, and, you know, <laughs> 21, our age. <laughs> yes. Plus thirty. I'm twenty-one. You know, you know, is it reacting to your intention versus reacting to the actual music? Do you think that words then have power? Yeah, I think words absolutely have power. You know, even just from a biblical sense, you know. But yeah, I think words definitely have power. Yeah, I just think it. I think it's just such a fascinating thing to look at from a different, from different angles. You know, thematically. 
And, you know, again, going back to Frankenstein, being able to look and say, you know, here's somebody that thought he could control all of that, when I think we're just kind of passengers in a lot of respects to this. That's true. I was just looking through some of my notes, some of the comments that the author made about this, and he was talking about, we were talking about increasing our immunity. And right now, with all this going on, this is very relevant. But he said, um, among all the medicines, there are none with as much healing power as love. So I love seeing that people are spending the time and sending messages to each other on social media and whatnot, you know, with the love. And that since I came to this realization, I have continued to tell people that immunity is love. What could be more effective at overcoming negative energies and returning vitality to the body? However, I've recently felt the need to change my terminology. I now know that it is not love alone that forms immunity, but it's love and gratitude. I became convinced of this form from an experiment. He did the experiment where he had the crystals and he put them in a microwave and he had them go through words of gratitude. And so that changed changed that. But it just makes me think about what we're going through right now and seeing how people are you know, stepping out on the streets and applauding the healthcare workers and showing that gratitude and showing that love and being there for each other, that that is helping and that's helping the immunity and and the people that are staying at home and they're doing that out of love and gratitude for everybody else around and wearing the masks. You know, we were talking about that earlier before we started to record that, you know, I I love that the Surgeon General is telling us that the, the mask isn't for us, it's for you. So I wear a mask so that you don't um, get sick, and you wear a mask so that I don't get sick, and it's that gratitude to do those things for each other. So I think, yeah, for sure now, if, if any time in our existence has shown us how we're all connected, this is the time, how we, you know, all of us influence everybody else. And just around the world, I just, I can't wait to keep seeing more ways that um, I, you know, the negativity of all of this is so sad and it's so heartbreaking that how many people are sick and how many people have lost their lives. It just, it breaks my heart, but I think that's something that's a realization of, you know, all the other good that's coming out of this. I would like to see all the other things like, um, like we've talked about the, the canals in Venice, you know, when I was in Venice and I looked down and the canals were so cloudy, I had no idea to even think that they would be clear to the bottom. It just didn't, didn't even seem possible. But now they're showing where, you know, the fish, you can see the fish swimming in the canals there. And just how earth itself has been suffering so much from all this warming it's starting to heal a little bit and i would love to see more of the effects of the healing side of it and then see people stick with that love to see this continue around the world as one instead of all this separation and negativity and that's that's my hope that's what i'm going to put on my water bottle that's your intention yeah that's my intention (laughs) well we would love to hear from you you can check us out on our social media twitter account at book club juxtas or our facebook account Book Club Juxtapositions. Um, we hope you are well. We're thinking about you guys all the time. And we do appreciate your, your you know, every one of you. Thank you. Next month's books, uh, our next episode will be posted on May 18th. And our next month's book, books are going to be, we're going to take a complete another turn here. We're going to do two thrillers. Um, so we have The Silent Patients versus The Couple Next Door. A crime so shocking that the murder herself emotionally retreats from the world. A psychotherapist desperate to make a difference uncovers the truth. So that's The Silent Patient, and we look forward to talking about that next time. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. We guys hope you're safe and enjoying reading. Ciao, Bellas. Ciao, Bellas.